This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today... Uh, <coughs> any, any thoughts about what we just saw? Anybody? This is the interactive churches if you have never been here before. You don't believe in that stuff. So anybody have any thoughts, you know, positive, negative? Just what are your thoughts about it? I'm okay, open to anything. Different people, different cultures, different beliefs. Anybody else? Anybody? Bueller. Bueller? No. <laughs> Nobody did. Yeah. So, so the, the point of that was those were really traditions. And even though we looked at those, we could have laughed and chuckled probably. Some of you were like, man, what in the world? This little baby put him in the taco. Like, I will choke on the baby. I, I'm, pro- I eat. I'm a savage when I eat. I'm sorry. But nevertheless, that's just me. You may eat dainty. I'm just a savage. When I, you put some tacos in front of me, I'm just going to kill it, right? I will eat the baby. And I will never win that game. Whatever the game was, I just won't do it. Just let you know. But somebody may look at our traditions and do the same thing, right? For instance, and I'm going to... Kick on some sacred cow. Are there any little children in here? Good. No kids. Uh, so, for instance, we Christmas, right? Oh, I went there. Right? We, we, do a, we do a Christmas tree, and we decorate the tree, and we put gifts around the tree, and we say, who is supposed to bring the gift? Don't look at me like that. I'm just trying to say, like, other people look at our traditions and say, well, that's funny. There's no God in that as well. We, we come... Uh, Easter, right? Coming from Ishtar. It's a different goddess. That's a different subject. I'm not going to smash it. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we, we, we celebrate Easter and there's, a, there's a, a rabbit. And the rabbit does what? Brings candy, but it, 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 it eggs come out of the rabbit's body. <laughs> and people may look at that and be like, that is crazy, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a tradition. And you mess with those traditions, you're, you're messing with not only the tradition itself, but you're messing with all these experiences that happened around those traditions, right? I, I have memories of Christmas. You can't tell me when I got my G.I. Joe aircraft carry on Christmas that that wasn't the best day of my life, Right? My dad and mom, well, Santa Claus put that in there, my dad and mom. And because Santa Claus, my dad and mom gave me that gift, I was like, this is the best Christmas of all time. We, we watched the Christmas story on TNT 
ad nauseum. Every Christmas, right? It comes on at what time? It ends like the next day, 24 hours of a Christmas story. And people may look at our traditions here in America and say, that is just weird. A tradition can also be part of your identity. You all have your own family traditions. Does anyone have a cool family tradition they want to share with us? We're not going to knock it down, but does anyone have a good one they want to share? Anybody? Somebody brave? Nobody? I'm not going to talk about your tradition. Go ahead, Sean Darius. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's stop right there. <laughs> TMI, TMI. He's too, never mind. We know, well, never mind. Next point. <laughs> but the point is, we even have our own family traditions, right? And a tradition sometimes identify who we are. It's what keeps us together. Sometimes it's like a fence. And if we stay with inside the tradition, we know who we are. But once we start transgressing traditions, then we question who we are. Our self-concept is challenged. And we're like, man, we have no identity. We have no place. Here in the scripture, we're going to talk about a tradition that nullified God's command. For the last year, we've been talking about the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught on the kingdom of heaven. And the point I'm trying to make is there is a teaching that has been lost in our church since the beginning. Even go back to the early church fathers. You don't even hear them talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Go back to the creeds, the Nicene Creed or or whatnot. None of them have in it the kingdom of heaven. And that's all Jesus talked about. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He is the door to the kingdom. We are waiting on the kingdom. That's what this life is about. God's kingdom. What prayer we all pray consistently? Our Father. Stop. The kingdom. That was Jesus. That's what he told us to pray about this kingdom that is coming. I love the shirts and the, the, the brand of clothes that says, not of this world. Jesus said when he was talking to Pilate, he said, I'm not of this world. He said, if I was of this world, then my, my servants would, would come and rescue me. He's, of a, he's of, a, of a coming world, a coming kingdom. And God tells us to store our treasures in that kingdom, that world. That's why we remain faithful to God. Not so we get saved, but so that we get rewarded in his kingdom. With rewards that last for all eternity. But the challenge we have to wrestle with is, are our traditions nullifying God's effectiveness in our own lives? Got a quote. Um, It says, we are straightly admonished not to go beyond what is written in the scriptural record. You can call it sola scriptura if you like. I prefer to call it God's truth. I don't know if you uh, posted on Facebook, and I'm not talking negatively about it because it was a redemptive act, but uh, there was a man named Benny Hinn. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Positive or negative, it doesn't matter, but he actually came out and said he he would admit, he admitted that he had been preaching a false doctrine. He didn't use those words, but he, he took the scriptures beyond what was communicated regarding prosperity. So he, he basically repented for what he had taught his entire life as a pastor. Think about that. Everybody basically knows his names and his miracles or, you know, and, and, and he's been doing his entire life. And now he's saying everything he taught was taken out of context on his part. And his, his conclusion, 
that prosperity in his mind is now no lack, meaning God will supply your needs, not your wants. That was an amazing transition for him. People were skeptical, like, well, is he going to give the money back that he made all those years? I don't think so. But nevertheless, at least he repented in some sense, but we'd love to see him give some of that money back, right? But if we take the scriptures beyond what they're intended, we get into what was originally called heresy. We don't use those words anymore. Today we have terms like liberal and conservative, which are really political terms that have nothing to do with the Bible or even church. The scriptures are either right or they're wrong. And if they're right, then they're all the way right in all its content. They don't need to be fixed so that we agree with them. We have to be fixed so we agree with them. (laughs) That was new. Let's jump into scripture. Matthew chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. Jesus right here is in Gennesaret. And that's the place where the demonic man was. Remember the guy Legion who was possessed with the... A legion of demons, uh, one in Mark, it was one person, Matthew was two people. Never, regardless, this man is possessed with a multitude of demons. This is amazing. After this guy was exercised by Jesus, Jesus said, don't come with me. Go, go. Go back to the ten cities, the Decapolis. I was so sad every time I heard that because like, Jesus, this dude wants to come with you. Why do you let this guy come with you? Jesus is like, go tell the people what amazing things God has done in your life. Well, this is how awesome this is. You go back in the history books, you hear about this man. He went back to the Decapolis, and he began to preach about Jesus. And there's nothing written about what he said until when the Jews were basically, in a sense, annexed, or they were raised. It was wiped out in 70 AD. A lot of the Christians went to the Decapolis, the ten cities, and they found churches there. They found Christian communities there living and vibrant. And they credited back to that one demon-possessed man who went back and told everyone what Jesus had done. God has a plan for your life. Here it goes on. It says, Jesus has now crossed over. He's in this area now from Jerusalem all the way to Gennesaret, these Pharisees have gone out to Jesus. Remember, we're in chapter 15, and in chapter 12 is when they told Jesus, you have a demon. And after chapter 12 on, the rest of Matthew, he never preaches clearly or openly again. From that point forward, he uses parables so they'll be condemned because they rejected Christ. Now, Jesus is still preaching the truth, but in a way that's cryptic so they would, in a sense, not understand so they would be damned. That sounds tough, but that's what's happening. They committed an unpardonable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, accrediting willingly and cognitively the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan. And because of that act, there was no more salvation for them. So Jesus began to speak in parables, and the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders became more angrier and more angrier every time they heard Jesus teach. Now they're sending people out to trip Jesus up in his words. And here it says, then the scribes and Pharisees who are from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Now, if you look at the text, there's something there that should stand out prominently. He doesn't say, why do you transgress the law of God, the word of God, the will of God? What does he say they're transgressing? The tradition of the elders. 
Jesus is being questioned because they're breaking the rules set by people, not God. They're breaking tradition. They're not putting up the Christmas tree. Joking. Kind of. (laughs) It says, why do your disciples transgress this tradition? For they do not wash their hands whenever they eat. Now, this is what you got to understand. This wasn't, now, I'm sometimes, I'm nasty, y'all. I'm country, so I'm not talking about, I'm not, here, I'm not going to talk about, I'm done West Virginia. <laughs> so, sometimes I don't wash my hands, I come outside, I'm all dirty, nasty, and I got my sit-down, plop my boots on the ground, and I start eating, I eating, I love it. That's my country accent, and it's a real accent, it's not fake, that's what I really talk like. So, I work hard not to talk like that so you don't run away from me. <laughs> but sometimes I'm... I'm nasty. I go on mission trips out there in the woods. I'm like, I'm, I'm, what am I wash your hands for? I'm going to get dirty again. The food's dirtier than me. I mean, who cares, right? I mean, that's what you think when you're eating on the mission trip. Nevertheless, I eat. But what has happened over time here is that the Jewish leaders started misinterpreting the law in such a way that they would, in a sense, negatively affect all the people. Now understand, they're questioning Jesus about this tradition. So also, all the people who were under their teaching were also adhering to the same teaching that is off. Does that make sense? All the people in the community were, in a sense, adhering to the tradition of the elders, even even though those traditions weren't necessarily God's commands. That's what you have to understand. There's a scripture back in Leviticus that tells you if you happen to touch somebody that is unclean or if they're defiled, um, and let me try to take this in a a proper context. If a woman was in the midst of her menstrual cycle or a man had a nocturnal emission, we're all adults, we can kind of figure those things out. If any of those things happen and that person, whether woman or man, touched you, at that point you were considered unclean and you had to wash up before you ate. That was the law. It was about ceremonial cleanliness, not morality, okay? So what has happened is, over years, the elders made and they expanded upon this. Now they're like, whenever you're about to eat, it doesn't matter if you're clean or dirty. And it's not even washing your hands. They would hold their hands up like this. And water would begin to pour all the way down to symbolize that you are now clean. So it wasn't that you are now hygienically correct. You just did something symbolically so that you would, in the people's eyes, be considered clean. Does that make sense? So Jesus knows this, and he understands what's happening. They're trying to get Jesus on this one little nuance that they made up that has nothing to do with the Scriptures. He says, for, once again, they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Jesus is like, here they go again. This is not the second, third, or fourth time. This happened consistently. They were constantly trying to find issues with Jesus and his disciples. One time they're going through the wheat field. We talked about that last week. And they're, they're basically, in a sense, taking the weed and they're eating it. And they're saying, you're breaking the law. Now they're not washing their hands. All those guys are breaking the law. They're not breaking the law. They're breaking your tradition. Traditions can be deadly. If you notice the seat pattern today, we switched them up. Why? 
Because we want to know, we want you to feel what it feels like when you can kind of get, in a sense, stuck in tradition. We could be used to sitting in our seats, and they're lined up the way we like them. But as soon as you mix up the tradition, you're like, wait a minute, this don't feel right. This is not where I sit, right? So this is what the Pharisees are now, in a sense, being challenged with. Wait a minute, you're trying to mess with my seat? That's my seat. And Jesus like, you hypocrite. He goes on. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? He doesn't answer the question. He didn't even address it. He answers the question with the question. I don't like when people do that, but he did it anyway. Why? Because he's trying to make a point. He's like, you guys are transgressing God's commandments because of your tradition. That's horrific. They're not doing what God wants them to do because of their tradition, which makes them comfortable. They are out of God's will because of their tradition. If we made a tradition here before you take communion, you had to wash your hands. And if you don't wash your hands, you can't take communion. We start doing that here. This is what they did. They're making all these rules upon rules, which they control. Remember, they didn't have salvation like we have salvation. We have salvation because of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. They thought they were saved because they kept the commandments. And we know that was impossible. So they began to make commandments they can keep. And we talked about it. We have the Torah, which was the Old Testament. The Mishnah, which was the next interpretation of the Old Testament. And the Talmud, which was the interpretation of the interpretation And there were thousands upon thousands of commandments and laws and teachings that broke down the original 10 or 613. He goes on. For God commanded, honor your father and mother. And he who curses father and mother, let him or her be put to death. Everybody knows this scripture is the first one you teach your kids. And everybody know that? Anyone know that off the top of their head? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it be well with you all the days of your life. It's the first commandment with a what? Promise. This is the one every parent has their kids memorized. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's the one. Everybody. You got a child, they're going to memorize this scripture right here. Honor your father and mother. That's the one they got. Right? So they can live long. And the kids are like, I'm going to live long. I'm going to live. No, you're not going to live long. <laughs> Let me keep going. (laughs) It says, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, listen to this, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. The word in Mark is called korban. And what this word is, it means dedicated to God. What's happening here is these Pharisees and Sadducees became real smart. They began to make these exemptions in the law or amendments so the people didn't have to obey God. So, for instance, if you were going to do a capital campaign, for, say we're going, to do a, we're going to build a church, hypothetically. We're going to build a building. Yes. Speaking it. <laughs> and we all do our faith pledge promises, right? Everybody's going to give an extra $1,000 a month. <laughs> Why? Because, hey, we're going to get this building for God, right? Because you know the church I'm not going to say that because I was, <laughs> you know, I was about to go there. <laughs> nevertheless, uh, thank you, Lord, for not making me say that. Um, but nevertheless, we're going to build it for the Lord. At least we say we're going to do that, right? 
So we began this capital campaign fund, and then all of a sudden, your mom and dad's in trouble. And you say this, well, I can't help my mom and dad, because my money's dedicated to what? The church. Any pastor in the right mind would say, what are you doing? Give your money to your mama. That's your mom. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. Take care of your parents as long as they live on this planet. That's what God wants us to do, period. Take care of your parents. You're held accountable to God to take care of your parents while they have breath in their bodies. I'm just saying, that's what the scripture says. But in this regard, the Pharisees have made this amendment, this exemption. What they say, you know what? You don't got to take care of your mom and daddy. All you need to do is say, say, not do, hear me, say that the money that you'll give to your mom and dad is dedicated to God, and then you want to take care of your parents. And that's what's happening. They just said this money is dedicated to, to God, mom, so I don't have to help you out. They would tell their parents that. That's what this is, that's what this is saying. And he says, look, then you need not honor your father and mother. So you don't got to take care of them. The Pharisees and Sadducees have given you a check mark. You're free. Don't take care of your parents. You're free from the commands and law of God. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Now, I'm not trying to say that celebrating Christmas or Easter is even a bad thing at all. I'm not, that's not the point I'm even trying to make at all. But the point I am trying to make is we have to be careful about our traditions, particularly in churches, but not just in churches, in your own life. Sometimes we do have traditions that hinder us from fulfilling God's purpose and plan for our lives. I'm not there for every single step of your life. Nobody is except for you and God. You have to do an assessment of your life. I have this like little dictionary. Well, it's like this little folder, and I assess myself consistently. How did I treat Pastor Bashan? Why did I follow up with Pastor Bashan? Did I talk to Pastor? Did I, was I love? Why am I not loving the Pastor? I am assessing myself. Did I, did I greet every person that came to the church? Hello, how are you doing, young lady? Oh, see, I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm not even doing it anymore. But, but I said, did I, did I, why didn't I say hello to everybody? What's wrong with me? Maybe I had a bad dream last night. I don't know. I'm assessing myself because God is really looking at my motivations. That's what this is all about. God is assessing our heart. And superficially, sometimes it looks like we're doing everything right. We're keeping the commands of the elders. But our heart isn't engaged with God. I don't know what he's talking about. This is what Jesus said right after that. Hypocrites. What is that? That's an actor. That's someone who wears a mask and acts like somebody. It's like me acting like I am Black Panther. Oh, I got to represent. Again, another week. <laughs> like, I can act like I'm him. Has everybody seen yet? Oh, see, y'all tripping. The rule was one week, and then you know here. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. Okay, okay, okay. All right. All right. Well, next month, you have until next month, or I'll start referencing the movie, just so you know. <laughs> all right. Nevertheless, if I'm acting like somebody I'm not, that's me being a hypocrite. I put on a mask, and I act like I am T'Challa, but really, I'm T'Chaka. Yeah, got that. <laughs> In verse 8, it says, listen to Jesus' words. These people draw near to me with their mouth 
and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He's not even saying fake it till you make it. He's saying these people do not love me. These people are betraying me. This is like a wayward spouse right here. That's what he's referencing. This is a spouse who is in the midst of an affair. And they're coming home to their other spouse, and they're acting like, oh, we're so in love and everything's cool. But inwardly, they're with someone else. They're thinking about somebody else. They're dreaming about somebody else. That's what it's saying here. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. That's why here we don't preach a lot about the vision of the church and the mission and the values. I'm not throwing any other church under the bus, but that ain't God's word. We have to preach God's word because that's what changed and transforms you. Think about this one point. What does God care about the most? This one thing. Their heart. Isn't it awesome? God just wants you to love him. What does he have to do for you to love him? What does he have to give you? Everybody in here is beautiful and attractive and smart. I mean, my goodness, has he not done enough already? If that's all he did for you, wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't you say, thank you, Lord, for making me the way you've made me? But someone's like, no, I want more. So you have great jobs, great intellect, great singers, great minds. Is that enough? I mean, what is enough when you say, it's, it's, that's enough, God, I love you? And that's why he gave Jesus to show you he gave it all, and that is enough. And if that's not enough, start evaluating, start assessing, start looking at your heart. Got a couple points and we're done. Humanity's traditions can hinder the will of and effectiveness of God. That should be a scary point. Because we had this, who was I having the conversation the other day with about the sovereignty of God? I don't know if you were here. But nevertheless, think about it. Is God sovereign? Yes. How does that work with the free will of man? It's a mystery. We don't know. But we understand this. God wants everybody to be saved, but that's not going to happen. God wants every human being to be saved, but that's not going to happen. We can thwart God's will. He won't transgress. He won't make you love him. And that's why you have a free will, so you can willingly love him. Do you love God? Humanity's traditions can hinder that. It can. If we have a tradition that is stopping God's will from being manifest in our lives in this church, we have to destroy it. What Jesus says, better to enter heaven with one eye, one hand. He said, what, if your hand calls you sin, he said, what? Cut it off. No, I'm not trying to tell you to cut off your hand. That's not what that's saying. It's trying to say nothing is worth missing out on heaven. That's what he's trying to say. I'm trying to tell you today, nothing is worth hindering you. Nothing is worth hindering you. Nothing is worth hindering you from doing God's will. Oh. Although a tradition can give you identity and purpose, it can be catastrophic for one's relationship with the Lord. Here at this church, I'm going to talk about tradition we have, right? We have men's night. 
Men's Night is awesome, right? We've been to every Marvel movie out for the last five years, right? We went to a couple movies we probably shouldn't have went to, right? Who was that? Yeah, they're, they're none of them. They, oh, they're caught in the snow. Nevertheless, if going to Men's Night hinders us from doing, what if God says, okay, guys, you've been going out, hanging out, having fun. Now go to the community. I'm not saying that's what he told me. I'm just trying to say, what if he says that? Can we do it? Can we go out to the community instead of going to eat at Perkins? (laughs) I'm glad Tim's not here, but it's on the video. (laughs) Oh, let me go back to that point. Although a tradition can give you identity and purpose, it it can be catastrophic in one's relationship with God. I love men's night. I love hanging out with guys. I'm going to talk about that because this, I mean, this is a, a joke, though, but it's kind of serious. I love hanging out with you all. It's, I love it. I love going out, hanging out, doing stuff. I love being with Christian men, just laughing and joking, not worried about trying to be cool. I laugh so hard every time I go there. My stomach hurts every time I go home. I think the funniest thing is going to Perkins. To me, it's funny. It's kind of like our identity at the church, right? We go without men's night. Every time we go, Spencer always stays in the car, eats there. He never comes in. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things ever had in my life. We were eating at, at uh, what was that, Asian restaurant. Oh, listen, y'all. This, I'm so not pastor right now. Listen, we are in this restaurant for two hours, and he is in the car eating his own meal, right? And we're like, where is he at? We're calling him, calling him, and he's not there. So we're walking out, all of a sudden, we see this dude drive by, we're like eating his food. Oh, I started laughing so hard. I said, what is he doing? If our traditions don't bring us closer to God, we need to check our traditions. <laughs> Eliminate any tradition that contradicts the commandments of God. Get rid of them. I don't know your traditions. You know them. Maybe it's, hey, we go out to the club every Thursday as a family. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw stuff out there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know what you do. Hey, you know, like, I do not know. I ain't going to quote that. All right. Eliminate them. Get rid of them. If your tradition is hindering God, get rid of it. It's a choice you have. Why? Do it so that you can demonstrate your love for God. These leaders, they, they made these traditions and they started getting paid. Think about it. They started making, they were these political puppets because they controlled everybody. What happens is if our church grows, you'll see the same temptation here. It happens everywhere. Religion is a deadly force if not used right. So we try to make sure our motivations are always right when we do what we're doing for God. We need to obey. Obeying God is demonstrating that you love Him more than any ism or tradition. That's a good one. Say it again. Obeying God is demonstrating that you love Him more than any ism or tradition. In the end, regardless of the ism you adhere to, it's going to be checked and challenged at the cross of Jesus we go into God's kingdom, understand we're going into a different society. I don't understand why people don't get it. The kingdom of God is a different society. It's a different culture. It's a different nation. And we are citizens of that kingdom, of that nation. Last point. Your love of the king should be more important than your family name. It's a tough one. At least understand what I'm trying to say. 
one day our last names will be gone. We won't have our last names. It'll probably be Christian or son of, oh, that's, ah, you got that. So in the Old Testament, uh, it was son of somebody, son of Joseph. That was how the name started. Son of, so you see that in the Bible, son of Joseph, son of James, son of Judah. Ours will be son of God. That'll be our surname, son of God, daughters of God, for all eternity. I tell you this to say, God is slowly wooing you to himself. Every aspect of your emotion, your life, your heart, he's trying to tell you this is best. But oftentimes we set up our own obstacles being faithful to God, and one of those obstacles is tradition. Don't let it hinder God's purpose and plan for your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time, Lord. I ask you to give us the grace we need to carry out your purpose and plan. Bless our kids over there. Protect them. Watch over them as they're in ministry and strengthen the teachers. I pray, Father God, for those ministries that have come alongside us and supported us, Lord God. So many people have helped support and give so that we can remain faithful to the call. We ask you, Father God, we continue to grow in a healthy way. Help us not seek numbers, Father God, but seek lives to be changed and transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. As we continue to move forward as a discipleship-making church, Lord God, help us honor you and glorify you regardless of the challenge we face. Lady gives you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Come baptize us. Oh